I'll Meet You in the Lobby podcast with your host, Jacinta Phelan. The power of, of the story and the backstory uh, is, is the one thing that is enduring as everything else becomes more accessible. Uh, Lake Como, by the water, and the six people that I would invite would be... And in that moment, I saw the most exquisite, alive intelligence. And, oh gosh, it makes me emotional. In this episode, Jacinta interviews Georgia Rickard. Georgia is a multi-award winning travel editor and content creator. The former editor of Australia's largest selling travel magazine, Australian Traveller, she's contributed to News Limited, Fairfax Media, the BBC, and several other media organisations and newspapers of note, including The Times. She's a former Sky News travel expert and has presented travel for CNN to an audience of 135 million people and has been shortlisted for Editor of the Year at the Australian Magazine Awards. Georgia has appeared on all major Australian television networks and is an accomplished keynote speaker. She's co-founder of the Travel Bootcamp and the Modern Travel Media Summit. She currently holds the editor-at-large position for Virgin Australia magazine. Georgia Rickard, welcome to I'll Meet You in the Lobby. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic, we were wrapped to have you here today. So we'll get straight into it. Georgia, let's begin by giving our listeners an insight into the story so far for Georgia Rickard. Wow, that is a really big question. Um, So yes, as you know, I am a a travel journalist and a, a business owner. Um, my story actually begins in uh, in sales, in business development. So, yes, as a as a 21 year old, I was working in recruitment actually, uh, and I was applying for jobs uh, in PR. Couldn't get in a foot in the door in magazines, and I sent my CV off to this recruitment agency for a PR role. And they got me in for an interview, and I basically walked out of the recruitment agency with a job at the recruitment agency. And uh, that role, I didn't realise it at the time, but basically I'd just been sold to, you know, sold the dream of how amazing it would be to work in recruitment. (laughs) And the role was very, uh, you know, traditional sales. Excellent training I received. It was, you know, lead generation. It was cold calling. It was going and booking meetings and then going out and selling, pitching to people. And I only lasted nine months. But when I left, I could cold call anyone. And so I started cold calling editors and pitching them story ideas. And within a month, I was writing for Cosmo, which, yeah, was was a really big leap up from, I suppose, you know, unpublished journalist to to writing for the world's biggest selling magazine. And that was how I got my foot in the door. As As an editor, deadlines are part of your everyday existence. Can you tell us how you handle a stressful environment? Yes. Um, look, <laughs> gosh, deadlines are really hard and being an editor is, is it can be quite stressful. Um, but I, over the years, have had to develop several systems. 
I have um, three separate business coaches, actually. So I've got one that I work with on digital marketing as, as part of my um, remit with the business that I run, the Travel Bootcamp. Uh, and then I have a second business coach who is all about structure and, and working um, within the, the framework and the milestones that we like to work to strategically with the Travel Bootcamp. And then my third business coach is just for me personally. And through those three people, those three experts, I have devised a system that is all about ruthless accountability. So every at the beginning of every week, I have a two-hour window set aside between 7 and 9 a.m. where I sit down and I actually map out what my goals are for the week um, and what I want to achieve. And then I actually I go through and I, I plan out my calendar and I allocate what needs to be done by when. And then at the beginning of each day, uh, I post in a secret Facebook group that I have with my two business partners and we all have to do it um, because we all live in different parts of the world. Um, and we, we post a selfie of ourselves and what we're working on that day and what our goals are for the day, which is also part of what we do each week. So everything is really broken down into very manageable bite-sized chunks that are um, measurable and also link back to the bigger picture. And um, having that structure in place, you know, when you measure something, particularly on a daily basis, it becomes a lot easier to remain answerable to what your goals are. Uh, And whether that's, you know, drafting copy for, you know, my column with Virgin Australia or, um, you know, having to to send out a certain number of sponsorship emails for the week... Um, looking for you know sponsorship collaboration opportunities for the travel boot camp events whatever it is just having those daily goals has ironically it's helped me immeasurably that's impressive it's very impressive well look yeah and I think the other thing the other thing that's really helped me is that I'm very interested in outsourcing and automating my life so uh, I have a virtual assistant in the Philippines and she is fantastic she is a delight um, and she uh, she helps me. She sends out my press clippings each month. Um, she manages my calendar. Um, she she looks after my groceries. I mean, I was in Bali a couple of weeks ago, and while I was away, I got a text message saying, oh, you know, this is Woolworths. Your groceries will be delivered this Saturday at 10 a.m. And I knew I was flying in at Saturday at 6 a.m. So just having, just knowing that that is looked after and that I don't have to look after it, oh, honestly, the more you can outsource and automate, the better. Sounds good. I, I totally understand. That's um, that's pretty impressive. That's a, a, that'd be a great a great thing to have. Where'd you get onto that? Where did you get onto that to have a virtual assistant? Who? Uh, do you inspired? know what? That was actually one of my business coaches. So oh. um, Kate Rich, uh, who's known as the the Rich Coach, mm-hmm. she put me onto the service, and it's actually it's part of a, a matchmaking service where uh, that an American has set up, and she personally interviews you, and then. Um, sources us a range of candidates for you to interview over Skype and then you pick the person who's you know best suited to the role and you know the 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 fantastic um, range of very talented women out there who um, are based internationally and you know and, and earning a, a good wage a competitive wage um, for them and obviously a competitive wage for me to to be paying um, it's really it's mutually beneficial and I love that I I'm actively involved in giving somebody 
uh, internationally from a you know a, a less developed nation than Australia uh, a leg up, particularly a woman. It's, True, and it's, it's wonderful. And it's very smart, smart idea, especially for your. Um you know, on a daily basis, you'll know where, you, where you're up to. You oh, know, it's yes. Very good. Now, tell me this. What book changed your life? <laughs> Do you know, that is such a tough question to ask. I have to say that I've always been a voracious reader. And I find that question really... You're not the first person to ask me that. I find that question really difficult to ask, uh, to answer, because to me, there isn't one single book... Um, I had an, uh, quite an extraordinary childhood, but, but it, was, it was also, there was a lot of unhappiness in my house. And so I would read a lot at home, kind of just to, to delve into other world, worlds. And, and there was a, a rule at my local library that you could only borrow 10 books at a time. So every week I would borrow 10 books and then I would take them back and get 10 more. And I read my way through my local library, but also through all the other libraries in the council network. And, um, you know, I suppose it was a way to, for me to feel. Oh, it just it helped me escape, and and now that those skills or the skills that I developed from reading so much um, has led me to a life that I am very firmly not trying to escape. And so it's not so much one book that I read that's changed my life, but actually the the practice of reading. I really. You know, just just being able to have the, the the ability to articulate myself well as a result of reading so much, I think, is a gift that everybody should should um, should bestow upon themselves. But if you really had to press me, then I would say, <laughs> then I would say the Four Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. What a great book! I haven't read that one. I'll have to have a look at it. You must. I mean, you know, it's it's all about pragmatism, just stripping things back. Mine was Albert Fate by Albert Facey. Um, have you ever heard of no. Facey? It was called A Fortunate Life. <gasps> you, oh. Brilliant book. And, do you know, I, I read that at school um, in, in, you know, when I was about 14 or 15, and it, it has stayed with me ever since then. So that's why I always ask that question because I, I really love to know what, you know, somebody is inspired by, and, and especially if it has changed your life. But that's, I mean, that's a fantastic answer. Anyway, just keep reading, you know, and, and you, it's what you learn and also how how you say you know you, you learn how to write and all that sort of thing so I think it's a, a great great gift to have it really it really is Do you, that, thank you for saying that though so many people have told me to read that book yeah, yeah. indirectly or directly and the fact that you've just mentioned it is I'm going to count that as someone else number, telling number me number one on your list now <laughs> yeah. now the travel boot camp what inspired you to start it and, what, and can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, yeah. I can, absolutely. So I think, um, as I just alluded to, I'm, I'm quite aggressively building my dream existence at the moment. You know, I, I, I never wanted to just work the nine to five. And the idea of going to an office each day to work in a job that I hate, I, I mean, I just, I, that saddens me. So the Travel Boot Camp uh, was a business that I started with two other women. Uh, one of them is Lauren Bath, and she was Australia's first professional Instagrammer, or that's what the, the press dubbed her. Um, and she was very much a, a pioneer in the travel influencer space in Australia. Uh, and we teamed up with a travel blogger, one of the world's um, biggest travel bloggers, uh, Liz Carlson, and she runs the blog Young Adventuress. Uh, and in fact, 
just this year she was named one of the 30 most powerful women in travel by Condé Nast USA, which is, you know, I mean, it, she's incredible. And so between the, the two of them and myself, we teach people um, all of the various ways in which you can become location independent as a digital travel storyteller. So whether that's through photography, um, you know, photojournalism, writing, blogging, vlogging, um, it, it, you, the idea is that you can kind of choose your own adventure. But ultimately, the reason that I started the travel boot camp was because I am really aggressively building the life of my dreams. And I really just want to be able to give others that gift too. Come and enjoy the winter sunshine in the Riverland. Your adventure is our dream, is what they say about Riverbend Caravan Park, and you'll be sure to be impressed, turning that dream into reality and experiencing a whole other world of adventure, relaxation and comfort. Riverbend Caravan Park, located in Renmark, is the perfect base for those seeking a unique experience along the banks of the Murray River. Enjoy the absolute riverfront views from your very own cabin or site. The choice is yours. Soak up the breathtaking surrounds of the historic Paringa Bridge and watch the Riverland enthusiasts engage in their daily river activities, all from your doorstep. Reconnect with nature and engage with the beautiful Riverland wildlife passing through the park day and night. And there's plenty of walking tracks for you to experience some of the Riverland's iconic landscapes along the way. The Riverbend Caravan Park certainly has it all. So start enjoying life and make some new memories just around the Riverbend. To help plan for your next day, visit our website, riverbendrenmark.com.au and see what's on offer in Renmark and around the Riverland. I read an article the other day, Georgia, about the influencer market maturing in 2019. Can you share with us how you believe the influencer of 2019 is evolving, adapting and innovating compared to, say, four years ago? Look, I think that the market is definitely maturing. When influencers first came onto the scene, nobody really knew quite how to deal with them. There, there were no sort of set KPIs, there were no standard rate cards, there was no industry body governing, you know, the messaging that was going out. Uh, and, and there were a lot of, of big numbers uh, or people amassing big audiences and charging outrageous prices. So you were getting a lot of money thrown at investments that weren't necessarily seeing a good return on investment. Uh, and I think whenever there's a new industry like that, you do see a lot of kind of cowboys and, you know, certainly there are some fantastic people in the industry with a lot of integrity, but there are also some people who were either through inexperience or a lack of, you know, respect or knowledge didn't probably deliver on the things that they promised because they were amateurs. And uh, and as a result of that, there was definitely a lot of kickback. Certainly as well, I think journalists naturally like to, to, to badmouth influencers, probably partly out of fear. And, uh, and certainly there is some justification behind it. But anyhow, I digress. Basically, the industry is maturing because people are really starting to come to grips with what an influencer can do and can't do. And um, the influencer relationship with an, an audience or with a consumer sits between publicity and direct marketing. 
and you know that they're influencing someone's purchasing decisions but not necessarily leading to purchasing decisions so it's finding out the the and, and pinpointing the ideal place within which an influencer sits on a consumer's path to purchase and we certainly are seeing i think people or the industry recognize where they sit these days and and as a result of that yes i think that the market is maturing uh in a way that's good for everybody really yeah yeah i agree there is actually one other point that i'd yeah, like to add to it, it. Yeah. um and that is that i think that uh the other major thing that's happened in the last four years is that audiences have become a lot more savvy in terms of sniffing out inauthenticity. Absolutely. And as a result of that, there's just way less tolerance uh, for, you know, people or practices or messaging that, that doesn't ring true. And, uh, you know, brands pick up on that now and are actually making, I would say, much better and more informed, savvier choices in terms of who they work with. So... Now, Georgia, you've been successful in growing your own personal brand. What are your thoughts into investing time and energy for others to do the same? Well, look, I think, I mean, that's a very, that's a big compliment. Um, I, I guess for me, personal branding or my, my first major lessons in the corporate world really hark back to my sales training. Because when you work in sales, you learn very quickly that everything you say and do is part of the sell, right? You know, it's, it's everything communicates, whether that's, you know, your, the, the cleanliness of your fingernails or how fast you respond to, to emails. Um, and so when you, when you, as a journalist, particularly in freelance journalism, uh, it's not just about the, the work that you're producing, but often you're communicating with an editor who doesn't know anything about you except the typeface that you're using in your email, uh, you know, what your actual email address is and, and what your footprint is digitally when, when they Google you. And so if, I mean, if you've ever been to a, a restaurant and judged them because their menu is written in Comic Sans, you know, you, it's, it's really coming to grips with, with knowing that the little things are the big things. Uh, but, but more than that, and kind of going beyond, beyond branding, to me the most important thing about a personal brand that you really have to appreciate is that people will always remember how you made them feel. Uh, and at the end of the day, we're all just, we're humans beyond corporates or professionals. Uh, and so I, I try not to look at it as branding, but really as relationships. Who are the top three people who continue to inspire you in business and in your personal life at the moment? Oh, I find this question so hard. <laughs> Sorry for all the hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, it's when Matthew McConaughey um, won a Golden Globe, he got up on stage and he said that his hero was himself in 10 years' time. And I really love that because, you know, obviously you never get to be yourself in 10 years' time because then you're always looking 10 years down the track. And I would like to think that, that that's who my my hero is it's the it's it's looking to to be the best version of myself and 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 working to reach the biggest potential of who I can be one day and it, you know it's it's hard as well I think being a woman in in business I really actually I do struggle with finding women who I can look up to and that who I can replicate because a lot of the biggest successes in business generally speaking are, are male 
So on a practical level, it's hard. Um, but also, I guess, because I feel like I'm walking a path that I'm just working out as I go. It's, it's not a, a set career ladder. Uh, to that end, I definitely look up to female magazine editors who've gone on to do fabulous things like um, Trudy Jenkins, who was editor-in-chief of Delicious and then founded the multi-million dollar business Hard to Find. Um, Sarah Wilson, the founder of I Quit Sugar and the New York Times bestseller. Mia Friedman and Mama Mia. Um, Eleanor Pendleton and Gritty Pretty, you know, younger. Um, I also really look to incredible professionals in the travel industry. There are some publicists who I just think are very, you know, people with a lot of integrity. Kim McKay, Stephen Howard, Peter Hook. um, And finally, I would say Lauren Bath, who is, of course, my business partner. And both my business partners are incredible women. But Lauren's a bit older than me. And the amount she's taught me about business, I mean, she's just... She is somebody who is, she has so much integrity. She, she will all, she says what she does and she does what she says. And at the end of the day, I I just think that's the most important thing. In your opinion, where do you think the tourism industry could improve and what country or destination do you feel is doing it well at the moment? Ooh, okay. That's a big and meaty question. Uh, Look, I think tourism boards uh, and humanity generally, but tourism boards really need to start thinking longer term. Certainly some of them are are doing this, but the European Commission uh, at the beginning of this year said that they are focusing on a higher value traveller moving forward. You know, it's not just about numbers. It's about actually attracting individuals in, you know, across their borders that are going to come stay a while, consciously engage uh, and leave hopefully having had a positive impact or or a more positive than negative impact than a lot of the travellers these days that you see coming through who, um, you know, come, take their photo and leave. Because that's, that's, that kind of tourism isn't good for anyone. And over-tourism, of course, has been a big buzzword this year, and which is, you know, is, is terrible and, 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 you know, a big, a big concern. So that, to me, is, is probably the, the most pertinent industry issue at present. Uh, brands that are doing things well, or tourism bodies that are doing things well, specifically to address that issue, I think... Tourism Tasmania, I mean, just generally as an organisation, they punch so far above their weight in terms of professionalism, ideas and integrity. Uh, I've worked with them for you know many years and I just think for such a small island state, they're doing such incredible things. And probably because they're a small island state, they really, they work hard to to protect uh, and and attract the right kind of traveller. So I, I really respect that. But on a wider scale, I think any brand, whether that's tourism or otherwise, that you know embodies the consciousness of its people um, and the personality of its people well with integrity and with authenticity um, is is a brand that gets my tick. So I really love, you know, Tourism NZ's been doing wonderful things for many years uh, and. You know, I, of course, I have to say Tourism Australia. Um, obviously, I've, I've had the honour of working with them a lot over the years. And um, certainly, while I, I can't take credit for the, for the awesomeness of, of the Dundee campaign, uh, it's been really incredible to watch the 
the organisation flourish and mature into um, really having a lot of fun, you know, and, and, and getting experimental and doing it in ways that are savvy and leading to such phenomenal success. It's just, it's incredible to see and really set such a high standard for the Australian industry. I agree. And that Dundee campaign was amazing. I think it's just been fantastic. It's just, yeah. it really is. Yeah. yeah. Props and to everyone involved. And it shows, you know, we can laugh at ourselves too. I think it's, it, and that's the humour. Very and Australian. Very Australian. I love it. Now, Georgia, do you have any predictions that you would like to share with us for the future of travel? So many. <laughs> okay, I'll just I'll just pick a couple. <laughs> Look, I was recently in Bali, and um, there are a group of Stanford University researchers there at the moment that are looking into the anthropological phenomenon that is the rise of the location independent worker. Wow! So that's a big that mouthful. <laughs> That's very impressive. <laughs> Basically, what that means—I mean, it's it's really interesting. But because we're seeing, you know, on a on a social level, we're seeing the fragmenting of the workplace. You know, yes. people are the full time job is becoming a thing of the past, which is fascinating in itself. But as a result, you're you're getting all of these millennials, if you like, that are that are gathering in on this island, and they're running all kinds of businesses, often quite creative businesses, but and digital businesses. Uh, from from Bali, from you know the sunny shores underneath the palm fronds, sitting beside a pool, yeah. and you know as a millennial myself, I find that just a lot of fun because you're surrounded by these like-minded individuals. But from a from a social perspective, it's a really fascinating phenomenon, and certainly we're going to be seeing a lot more of that happen at the moment. So I think what we will see is as travel increasingly becomes you know a, a an everyday commodity as opposed to, you know, a once in a lifetime or once every couple of years occurrence. I think we'll probably see it become sought after to be the person who doesn't have to travel. So that to me, you know, the the person who gets to stay home and and focus on time with the family and the the kids. I think think that will become increasingly the the sought after thing. Um, from From a travel perspective or from a tourism perspective, I really believe that the localised, you know, under the radar, neighbourhood, hip, hipster experience that we're seeing, uh, it's becoming, ironically, increasingly homogenised. And as a result, people are seeking places and experiences that have a genuine heritage and backstory, because that is what is setting setting those experiences apart from the great coffee that you can have in virtually you know any any neighborhood in in any global city these days so i actually think we're going to see a return of interest in the greats you know in the pyramids in the louvre it's the power of of the story and the backstory uh, is is the one thing that is enduring as everything else becomes more accessible. Uh, and then the other thing that I have seen a lot of, being a journalist who who has visited a lot of wild and special places, is that with you know the encroach of civilization on those places, they're becoming increasingly sought after. Um, and you know back in medieval times, 
wild and special places and, and gardens of Eden, they were really roped off and, and only available to be accessed by the aristocracy. And I think we're going to see that happen more and more, except instead of being, you know, actually sort of fenced off and, and protected by the cavalry, there's just going to be economic barriers that actually stop people from, you know, the masses from, from accessing them, which is a travesty. Um, I mean, it's already happening if you look at, at, um, at Burma or Myanmar, however, however you want to refer to it. Um, they've already started that simply with actually requiring that any traveller needs to pay a minimum tax of 200 US a day just to be there. Is that right? Um, which is, you know, certainly one way of ensuring that you're getting a, 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 the kind of traveller who's really going to actually value their experience and, and therefore hopefully interact with the environment and, and protect it more. But yeah, I mean, as for the rest of us, I think down the track, it's, it's going to mean we're, we're going to be stuck with a lot more imitations, you know, fake, fake beaches and virtual reality and um, plastic plants. It's, uh, I think about this a lot and, you know, obviously the, the future of the world and its wildernesses is a, is a big concern to me. Now, what do you prefer, solo travel or group travel? Ah, <laughs> uh, look... You could probably tell I'm an extrovert, so you might expect that I would say group travel, but I think probably solo. Um, I'm quite, I'm quite exacting, and I have a really low tolerance for other people's agendas. <laughs> you know, personal freedom is the thing that I value above anything else, and so I, having to to work in groups, having to travel in groups, those things. Um, can can really really frustrate me even though they can lead to such special memories so I think my ideal is to travel solo but to dip into various friend networks you know in various cities along the around the world yeah Yeah. what about you I love solo travel I the only thing that I'm I worry about sometimes is um I love being by myself doing what I can when I when I want you know I can do what I want when I want but I do find it lonely, say, at night time. Like, it's really nice to be able to meet up with people or, you know, to just speak about your day. So I think there's, you know, a great... And, and of course, like when you are travelling, that's what happens. You go into a bar or a restaurant and you just start talking to people. And so I really enjoy... I, I think solo would be my number one too. Here's a funny one for you. You are hosting a dinner of a lifetime for six people. The world's your oyster. What destination do you choose and why? And who do you invite and why? Oh, okay, so it's a, it's a dinner, so it's about food. I am Money going... Money is no object. Money is no object. <laughs> I mean, oh, there's just... You make it... Look, I, I would probably... I, would, I think it has to be somewhere in Italy. Uh, and it's got to be late spring because I don't want it to be too hot but oh actually or maybe it is summer but basically we have a really long dinner that goes you know until 11 o'clock at night when it's you know virtually still light sounds divine doesn't it okay so I'm gonna say (laughs) somewhere in like (sighs) yeah yeah all uh, yeah the rosé and 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 the rest (laughs) uh Lake Como by the water and the six people that I would invite would be my mum. My mum lives in, in Monaco, so I don't see her as often as I could. Uh, and my brother lives in Vancouver. So 
I'd, I'd invite both of them and I'd also invite my, my father who lives in Sydney. I mean, the last time that the three of us were together was many, many years ago and that would be really special. And then I would actually ask each of them to invite the person that they most wanted to meet in the world. And then I would sit back and I would watch. Wow. And that would make me the happiest girl. How good would that be? That sounds perfect. I'll, I'll tell you what, I think if we made it a table of seven and I will be at the other end, okay? <laughs> Deal. <laughs> I'll come. Okay, now, if you had the power to change one thing in the world right now, what would it be? Yeah, I thought about this long and hard because, you know, like world peace, oh, chocolate. Oh. <laughs> um. If it were possible, I would give everyone the gift of realising that they are enough, just as they are. I, I think if every human knew that, if every human knew that they are safe and loved and that they are perfectly okay just as they are, then, then no one would fear or have stress anymore and people would let down their barriers and, you know... Every problem that the world faces, consumerism, you know, overconsumption, conflict, war, all, like all of those things, that there would be no need for them because people would be content on the inside. Now, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? You're going to be okay. <laughs> your life is going to work out. Don't sweat the small stuff and spend more time with your grandmother. What is one thing people would be surprised to know about you? Oh, uh, I don't read the news or listen to the news or watch the news. Is that right? Don't want – I journalist, what – who – what sort <laughs> of journalist doesn't consume the news? That's incredible. But, yeah. you know, it, it, I know it's, it's weird, but I, I really made a conscious decision a couple of years ago that – I had to stop because the your headspace is the most important asset that you own. It is that is it. If you're not, if you know what's going on between your ears is unhappy, um, or or you're being, it's you're filling that space with misery. I mean, that's just not. They're not the kind of inputs that I want. Not to say that I, you know, um, am proposing ignorance at all, but I work I think I think that the best thing I can do for humanity is to be somebody who always or does her best to come from a place of you know love and and calmness confidence security uh, and and those elements require me to be in a good headspace and and so I want in order to be in a good headspace, I need to feed my brain good things. Yeah. Sometimes you've just got to remove yourself from that negativity. Yeah, that's look, that's the I'm, way to do it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Prefer to listen to a good podcast, yes. to be honest. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Georgia, what has been the most emotional moment whilst you've been travelling and it took you by surprise? Oh, that's. Yeah. So every year in a, a small window in June and July, there are a group of whales, dwarf minke whales that congregate. 
on the Great Barrier Reef. And no one knew what, what they were doing there for, for a long time. You know, they, no one even knew that they were there, but there were rumours of this, you know, really friendly group of whales that would come up to scuba divers and sort of interact with them. And eventually a, a very small industry um, popped up where you can actually go, you know, and hop in the water. And, of course, the rules are that you can't get in the water if you're terribly close to a whale. I think it's within 100 metres. But with these particular whales, you get on this boat, you travel north from Cairns for two days, you jump in the water when they sight whales in the distance, and the whales know you're there, and they will just come on over. And, you know, when I took this journey... It was a you know small boat. I was getting a bit seasick. It was wasn't anything glamorous. I wasn't feeling well. The seas were quite rough because we were quite far out. Obviously, we're remote. There's no phone reception, and it's cold. It's very dark. Jump in the water, and these whales came over. It's very hard to to articulate, but the this one whale came right up to me, and it just locked eyes with me. And in that moment, I saw the most exquisite, alive intelligence. And, oh gosh, it makes me emotional. And just, and it was so gentle and so warm. And and so, you know, it was like looking at myself in this, the eye of this beautiful creature. And I got back on the boat. I mean, this was years ago, but I just cried. I just thought gosh the world is alive and you know I've I've been vegetarian for a long time but I thought I really need to step up my game here because you know we need to do more to protect the the innocent creatures uh, and and living beings on this planet it was just the most exquisite experience and I think if I think if the world could have that experience it would be um, a very a very different place do you know that is I, I can really relate to to you and what you saw I haven't been with whales but I was with a manta ray in the middle of the Indian Ocean and I I had no idea what was about to happen and this marketing manager from one of the resorts there I was over there and we were at the end of um, a pier a, a jetty and I sat down and he said watch this and all of a sudden this big manta ray I've never seen anything so huge in my in my life and I was sitting on the end of the pier and he just kept circling it's like he was dancing in front of us oh. and trying to it's almost like a puppy dog you know like yeah but it was I'd never seen anything like it and it connected and I know exactly what you mean when you say you looked at this animal in the eyes and you it's I and i I was so emotional. That, that's what took me by surprise. And I got so emotional. That's why I always ask that question. And I, I have mentioned that story before in, in other um, podcasts. It sounds a bit like a broken record, I suppose. But I just never forget that moment. And it, it was looking at me. And it was sort of like, and it was just sort of showing off, you know. And it was just so beautiful. It was really lovely. So I totally understand where you come from and where that came from. Thank you for sharing that. From. Thank you for sharing that story. It's, I mean, honestly, I really feel like a big part of my job is as a travel journalist to help facilitate people getting out into the world and reconnecting with themselves, you know, because ultimately when, when you come face to face with a manta ray or a whale or, you know, the trees, um, you, 
you come back to you come back to your center and you know in this day and age there's there's nothing more important and it's never been harder to do that to to remain you know with yourself but so despite globalization and and over tourism I really see that my my job my responsibility is to help facilitate people reconnecting with who they are Georgia where haven't you been and but you can't wait to go ah do you know this is I'm always embarrassed to say this but Africa I have never oh, – okay, I, I lie. I've been to a, a small group of islands off the coast um, of Senegal called uh, Cape Verde or Cabo Verde, um, but I've never actually been to mainland Africa. And I – that continent, that whole continent is, is calling. I, I, can't, I can't even imagine the, the transformative power that it would – well, that it that – it, will have on me because everybody that I know who's been is just entranced by its spell. And do you think that will be your next holiday? Do you think that's where you'll go? Well, look, the irony for me is I can't even tell you the last time I took a holiday. Oh, I I can actually. It was three years ago. Um, (laughs) A Christmas holiday with my family. I don't know whether you would define that as a holiday. (laughs) But, you know, when you work, when you travel so much for work, uh, first of all, when you travel, it's almost impossible to switch off because even if you're meant to be on a holiday, you're still taking notes and, you know, yeah. mentally or otherwise. Um, I, I, much, I generally find just staying home is the real treat. But, yeah, my next big adventure, personal adventure, will have to be Africa. It has to be. The end. And finally, what's next for Georgia, Ricard? Can you share with our listeners and any new projects or ventures that you've got coming up um (laughs) look these days I actually I try not to talk about things before they've happened uh definitely learned that lesson the hard way having gotten excited and and shared plans that never came to fruition uh but I I will say that the travel boot camp is about to unveil some very exciting new initiatives and they will start rolling out in the next couple of weeks uh, and certainly in my role with Virgin Australia at, at Hardy Grant Media, things are, are really, they're just kicking off. I mean, things are just getting started there. So I think there are, those two avenues are, are certainly places that you'll see a lot of exciting new things happening soon. Otherwise, watch this space. Well, Georgia Rickard, thank you so much for your time today. We have really enjoyed it and I really would love to get you back on to another podcast because there's so many more questions I want to ask you and uh, and so many other different things I want to talk to you about. So hopefully we'll have you back within the next 12 months. I'd love to have a chat. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I'll Meet You in the Lobby is proudly brought to you by Five Degrees, Australia's number one experts in measuring and improving sales and customer service for its clients. Contact Simon on 0407 002 113 or shoot Simon an email at simon.blair at fivedegrees.com.au and find out how you can improve your customer experience.